All right, good morning, everybody. What is this, day three of RSA 2022 in person? Super excited to be here. Uh, we are going to be doing a live podcast right now. So, for everyone who has not seen Zero Trust 30, uh, you can go to appgate.com forward slash podcast. We've got about 17 episodes right now. Uh, Mr. Cunningham's been on them before. Jason's uh, a frequent visitor, and we talk about all things Zero Trust. So, let's dive right into it. So, Welcome to Zero Trust 30, live from the floor at RSA Conference 2022. I'm your host, George Wilkes, and this is the show that helps you make sense of the cybersecurity sensation that is Zero Trust. I'm joined by two brilliant minds in terms of Zero Trust. I look at Chase. He's already, he's, no, he's not that brilliant, I guess he the is. The bar's lower than that. Uh, <laughs> well, they are very, very much authorities um, in the space authors of, of, of books talking about Zero Trust. Uh, you've got Dr. Chase Cunningham over here on the left. Chase, go ahead and say hello to everybody. Uh, he goes by Dr. Zero Trust. Uh, I think he's also self-proclaimed the angriest man in cyber the last time we talked about, so we'll see if that comes through. Uh, Chase is very much a zero BS kind of guy, and so we're really looking forward to having this conversation as we're looking at Zero Trust, whether or not it's a, a buzzword or a breakthrough. And then we've got Doc, uh, we've got uh, Jason Garbus here, who's the Chief Product Officer here at AppGate. Uh, he's also the co-author of Zero Trust Security and Enterprise Guide, and the co-chair of the Zero Trust Working Group at the Cloud Security Alliance. So, guys, say hello to the audience and thanks for being here. You first. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks! Great to be here, and uh, amidst the chaos and noise and energy of the show, I'm looking forward to the discussion here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm only one coffee in, so. Bear with me if I fall out of my chair. <laughs> no worries at all. So uh, before we get into the subject matter, what we like to do is play a game called What's Bugging You? It's pretty straightforward. I'm going to ask that question of the two guests here uh, and see what they have to say. So Chase, let's go ahead and start with you. What's bugging you, the angriest man in cyber? Uh, I mean, I think what's bugging me is really that there's a lot of stuff that's shown up out here that's new, but a lot of it is repurposing of stuff that we saw in 2020 before the world fell apart that now it's got new stickers on it and i think that that's a problem you know we keep rinsing and repeating and expecting a different outcome and putting some shiny new sexy packaging on it and then it's it's a thing um that's not fixing the issue so for me that's that's what's bugging me uh you know without without totally losing it no that makes a lot of sense jason how about yeah you? i'll go I'll, I'll run with that theme and i think the you know to what really bugs me are vendors and proposed solutions that do that are only perpetuating the sins of the past, if you will. And the, the sins of the past are really siloed and disconnected security solutions, solutions that only work for remote users or only work for users who are on-prem or only work at an authentication level and don't tie identity down to network access. We really believe that zero trust has to be holistic. It has to work the same way for remote and on-prem users. And this gets rid of silos and friction and lets you you know, get to the all singing, all dancing uh, place of having one policy model and one mechanism rather than trying to struggle with different disconnected systems that work differently and frustrate everybody. Yeah, I think the last time we had uh, you two on, we kind of we kicked off the podcast, right? It was it was our first episode talking about the chaos within the industry, and I think RSA is a good representation of that chaos. Oh, chaos, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I I couldn't imagine, and I'm 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 you know, empathetic for the buyers who are out there trying to navigate these halls and kind of figure out what it is they're looking to, to solve for, especially with zero trust, right? It's painted everywhere. And there's a lot of 
you know, misconceptions. There's a lot of different definitions coming out of a variety of different vendors. And that's what we're going to talk about today and really kind of cut through the, the noise here and talk about is it a buzzword or is it a breakthrough uh, or, or even potentially both. Um, so yeah, what we'll do is we're going we're gonna to ask some questions of that nature, but then we're also going to do kind of a mock tabletop uh, exercise to kind of really help people understand, you know, if there is an organization that looks like X, which we'll kind of break down there, how do you, the two of these gentlemen here, actually guide an organization through, you know, the first and early stages of zero trust. Uh, so let's go ahead and get right into the subject matter here and start the first question. There's obviously been a lot of momentum around zero trust. Again, it's, it's plastered everywhere on everybody's booths. You got the executive order, you got the NIST 800-207, uh, CSA came out with a reference architecture. There's a lot of momentum behind it, uh, but there's also a lot of skepticism. When you talk to buyers, some people think, hey, you know, this is just another word, it's just a marketing thing, right? And that's understandable. So from the two of you's perspective, where is the market leading people astray and how would you boil zero trust down for people to actually buy into it and understand? Chase, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so I think the, the market is, buzz is a good thing. I mean, let's just be real about that. Like, I have no problem with talking about zero trust as a buzzword uh, because buzz is good. That means people talk about it. That means that there's eyes on glass, that type of issue. So good. But I think where we go wrong is we continue to look for silver bullet solutions of if I get this thing and if I get enough of those things, eventually I'll win at this game when that's not how this is actually going to work. Um, the real value is the strategic side of this equation. And for me, when I work with organizations, the last thing that I ever talk about is technology. Yep. We spend so much time working through the strategic side. We deal with what they got to deal with. Um, I think that that's, that's what still needs to be put in here is it's, it's not about get this, turn it on, and all of a sudden thou art zero trusty because the zero trust fairy sprinkled dust on your, you know, ZT dust on your VPN yep. or whatever. It's about figuring out where the bad guys are going to come at you, how you can remove their ability to be successful, and then applying things in that space that will take that game to the next level. Yeah, I think um, you talked about the, the empathy that you have for the buyers, and it's definitely the case. I mean, you think about trying to make sense of this. You, you can see why people would gravitate toward, okay, I'm desperate because I... I'm in complete chaos in my environment. I'll buy this if it's going to solve my problems. And of course, that's the wrong approach. You have to take a programmatic view and look at, okay, what are my processes, my business processes, my technical processes? How do I make security a byproduct of that and improve security, improve the user's experience, but make what I'm doing a contributor to the business achieving its mission, whatever that is? And it's... Um, I mean, you've done some lab environments where you've attempted to tie together commercial and open source things, and it'll, I've, I've had a little experience with that with some of the, the hackathons and things for uh, the Cloud Security Alliance, and they're really hard, and that's in a controlled lab environment. And then you think about our customers who are in an uncontrolled you know, enterprise network that's been around for 25 years. It's no wonder they're going crazy. Let me just go ahead and you know, ask this question then. Outside of all of the vendors, where should somebody go to get a relatively non-biased perspective and first understanding of this is what Zero Trust is, building that strategy to your point, Chase, getting their, their, their arms wrapped around it. There's tons out there. Where would you guide them to? Well, I hate to admit it because I write books too, but Jason's <laughs> book is really good. It's a biblical reference if you ask me. Um, I think NIST 800-207 is great. Uh, I think that uh, any time that you can get an outside, non-industry specific view of what's going on here and then start wrapping your head around it, that's where I would, Evan Gilman's book is great. Okay. Um, th so, you know, my, my, my humble two cents would be do the research without 
getting vendors sprawl inside of that and then figure it out for yourself and then go, you know, start putting that in place. Um, and if you're looking for, you know, other uh, haterade, I'm always glad to provide some of that. So ping me. Yeah, thank, thanks for the shout out. The other thing I'd recommend is there's a recent um, report from the, you're going to have to correct me, National Telecommunications Security Advisory Committee, NSTAC. Correct. Yep. That uh, Chase helped. Uh, I guess you uh, testified and contributed to that. Yeah, um, I threw some words in. Yeah, yeah, threw some words. So this is a recent report. It's a recommendation to the president, and it's really trying to set a, a mission for the federal government. But there's a lot in there that is directly applicable to enterprises in terms of uh, how to approach zero trust, proposing a maturity model, and putting in place kind of one row of the maturity model for directory services that can then be generalized and applied to other elements of your environment. That's another good resource. Yeah, and the, the, the other thing is you don't have to think about cybersecurity and ZT and whatever else, right? Think about the way that you get, that you're successful at anything you do in life in general, at least I hope so. You typically go figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and then why you should do it. And then you start building a practice off of that. And eventually you bring in technology to help you scale up to meet that initiative. Right. If you go buy a bunch of stuff and say, dang it, I'm going to be successful, you won't be. So let's uh, let's actually then talk about a little bit what some of the work you've been doing, Chase. You've been building this market map, right? So yeah, it's been my personal hell for like three months. I could imagine. It was better or worse than a wave? Uh, at least I was getting paid for the wave. <laughs> so yeah. so and and, and you, I guess tell us a little bit about this, right? I think there's like 325 odd vendors, maybe more now. I mean, uh, 287 as of this okay. morning. Nice. Yeah. So basically, the idea was there's all these vendors out here doing all these things. Okay, great. Um, when I was at Forrester, we created an, an ecosystem framework so that we could map in which vendor capabilities do which thing in the context of that strategic initiative. So basically, I've been spending all my free time, which is copious, crawling through all this stuff out there, putting it on a market map so that people can really quickly look at it and go, if I'm trying to solve this problem to take care of this thing, I need this technology, which of the 287 vendors that are out there have that thing that I can use? And it's all open source. It's all free. Nobody's getting paid on it. Um, it's just so that people can have a really quick understanding of problem I'm trying to solve, strategic initiative, which capabilities meet that need, and which one of 287 have something I should go engage with. Yeah, I got to imagine that's really helpful. Where can people find that? Uh, it's on the demo forum, um, or if someone wants to have access to it and they can't find it, they ping me directly on LinkedIn. I'll give it to you. That's awesome. So uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to lay out a, a mock scenario, right? And I think, Jason, you termed it as the pathologically bad organization with very poor security and IT practices. And then we can kind of riff a little bit on, on, on what, 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 how would you guide this organization in terms of building that strategy and then looking at, you know, the, the places to identify vendors. Uh, the goal is to prove that any organization can incrementally and quickly benefit from applying zero trust principles. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, right, it's a journey. It's not going to happen day one. It's going to be, you know, incrementally over time and it's continuous it's never going to end so here's the here, here's the organization you've got 2,000 users it's a complex on-prem corporate network uh, across three different cities uh, with network infrastructure in place for over 20 plus years you're, simple easy problem simple Thanks. easy yeah. problem yeah you're very welcome ready go Jason <laughs> I told you it was going to be pathologically bad but I'm not, he, he's not finished I'm not done yet okay. you've got separate uh, VPNs and NACs from multiple vendors you've got weak identity access management no good visibility into assets on the network and a security and IT team that struggles to just keep the lights on 
how would you help guide this organization? Why does it sound like every client I've worked with <laughs> for the last X number of years? Yeah. I, so, I mean, for me, the first thing I do with every client I engage with is I do a red team op. Um, I do either do a red team op or a blue team op. They can pick which flavor they want, but really I think that that's, that's the difference maker because, I mean, ultimately this whole thing is about how can I stop a bad thing from happening, which is going to be a red team op by people that are not there to do nice things. You know, they're, they're going to take your data, they're going to steal stuff, whatever. So for me personally, to get our, our feet underneath us and figure out what we're going to do and where the real weak points are in relation to the threat, I would say let's go do a red team or blue team op. Let's figure out what's going on you know, take the, the, the gloves off and let's hit it where it's going to hurt and then build from there. Because I, I don't think you can, even like you're saying with an organization like that, even if I ran a really amazing inventory or something, there would be those dark channels that I right. wouldn't pick up. Whereas if I let the red teamers go at it, they'll find them because that's what they do. Yeah, so basically find where you're most vulnerable to, to begin with, right? Where are I mean, those, the best where way those to, gaps? Yeah, the best way to learn to duck a punch is to get in a fight. There you go. Jason, what do you what do you say? Uh, that's pretty remarkable. I think that that would make put a lot of stress in the organization. They won't like it, but we'll do it. Yeah. Uh, I I would say um, if the organization is in that uh, difficult situation with lack of visibility and uh, lack of good control of these processes, is definitely don't try to solve their identity solution and unify things. Definitely don't try to get a complete inventory of everything on the network first because that's a never-ending task and it's going to take you months and months to even get sense of that. So I would say look for some really low-hanging fruit, some, some pain points that the business and end users are encountering or some friction that's preventing the business from innovating, launching a new service or integrating with partners or combining certain data sets, whatever it is, we know that those things are in, in the organization. And that, that does two things. One is it forces the security teams to do what they need to do, which is to start to partner with the business, to build bridges and start to understand the mission of the business, whatever that, whatever that happens to be. Um, and it lets them also define and scope a, a define a narrowly scoped initial project. Maybe it's 200 users. Maybe it's 25 users for a very high value asset. Um, maybe it's retiring something that's end of life and saying, all right, let's put in place a modern MFA for our high, highest risk users. Those things are really good starting points that deliver value and can be done in a way that doesn't try to, to boil the ocean or solve all these problems. The other thing to do is say, all right, here's my network over here. It's a giant mess. I understand that. I'm going to at least contain that and have for new projects, deploy them on a new infrastructure or a new separate subnet. Put in place controls and automation around that. And over time, you can start to shrink the implicit trust zone and the giant hairball that is your, your enterprise network and at least reduce the risk and reduce the attack surface. That's great. I appreciate it both. Um, kind of taking this back to the beginning, right? We're talking about buzz, buzz, uh, breakthrough or buzzword. Chase, have you had anybody come up to you and kind of call BS on zero trust as a term? And how do you, how do you address that? Like the, the skepticism, how do you kind of talk them back into the zero trust lane? Well, I, I mean, I've had people say some pretty harsh things to me about zero trust or whatever else. And uh, I haven't been in any knife fights in the parking lot yet, but there's always tomorrow. Uh, I, I, I think that when they talk about that, they usually are wrapped up around, I'll never get to zero. Correct. Just like if a professional bodybuilder got to zero, they would die, right? Zero body fat, they don't they cease to exist. But the goal is to get to the lowest manageable risk. It's to remove default configurations. It's to do all the things that we talk about in cyber uh, as strategically valuable. 
However, I can't put all that into two words and actually have it something that an industry can latch on to. So my point to them is you can call it super amazing Wookiee cyber science. I could care less. But the reality is what you're doing is you're working to remove trust relationships from within systems, across infrastructure, etc. Therefore, the industry has grabbed on to ZT. You know, change the name if you want to for your organization, whatever. But I'll die on the hill that the fundamental strategic objectives here align with that overall goal. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Jason, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think we have certainly seen um, a fair number of enterprises who call it something else internally because yep. it, there's, in some cases, this negative reaction from end users. Oh, you don't trust me. Well, you know, I'm not going to participate in that kind of nonsense. And it's, it's about a philosophy and it's about removing the implicit access or implicit entitlements or the implicit trust, if you will. And that's a worthy goal, as well as finally breaking down these silos and taking a holistic approach for all users, all workloads, all environments. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important, right, that the industries had to had to put a term on it so that people can have a common understanding as to what it is. And, like, that's obviously been abused and taken advantage of at the end of the day. But to your point, right, call it whatever you want. The principles are not new, right? This is something that has been going around for how long? I mean, Chase, you've got... 21 years total, basically, yeah, if you really look at it. Jericho Project Jericho and all form, that kind of yeah. stuff, yeah. But, but it's also about... Zero Trust is not new in the sense that it's standing on the shoulders of, of giants in our history, right? Of course, it's, you know, there's a, a meme going around that, oh, Zero Trust is nothing more than MFA and the principle of least privilege. And, of course, those are really important things, and they are part of Zero Trust. But there's more to it than that, which Zero Trust is really about this holistic approach and breaking down the silos and tying it in to both business processes and technical underpinnings like your CMDB or your ITSM or your endpoint management system, et cetera. I mean, that to me, that's as a philosophy, it absolutely is, I would say, you know, closer to a breakthrough and a shift in the way that you have to approach things. Uh, uh, to your point about the giants, I think what really stands out to me is the giants that were crushed by the weight of the rock they were lifting, right? Those, those giants are the ones that I look to because they've already lost in the fight and they learned their lessons. So with all these small businesses and midsize that come up and talk about they're not going to do ZTE, whatever, I, my, my ask to them is, you're better than Google, you're better than Capital One, you're better than Equifax, are you spending more money than them? Okay, then, you should probably do something different than what they did, otherwise you will accept the same responsibility and the same results. Like, this is a relatively binary problem if you really look at 30 years of failure tells you if you do anything else, Thou shalt fail. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Um, any parting thoughts before we uh, wrap this up and then play a little rapid fire game? Uh, I just think the biggest one is, you know, as you're out here walking around RSA, obviously everybody's going to take everything with a grain of salt to begin with. However, there's a lot of value from the solutions that are in the space. But if, you're, if you don't have a clearly defined overall strategic objective, yep. the sexiest, coolest, quantum-powered, blockchain, super security, whatever, is not going to solve your problem. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Literally, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And Chase, where can people find more information and get, and get, because you've got, you got a podcast that you have, you've got a weekly Wednesday live on LinkedIn. I do, yeah. It's profane, so if you don't like profanity, don't, don't listen. But yeah, it's, uh, it's on LinkedIn live. I do Dr. Zero Trust podcast on all the other podcast things. And if anyone ever needs any help with anything, ping me directly, because this is, you know, I, I sleep and breathe this because my kids make fun of me. I do so much ZT work. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why you're called Dr. Zero Trust, right? Because I have no life. Yeah, exactly. There you go. And, and you have the belt, though. We need the, and the we belt. Need the, yeah, show us the belt. belt. Go on. There you go. 
what, what's behind, and, and for obviously for the audience, I do stuff as jokes, and it always bites me in the ass on the far end. So, like, this was a joke because I do workshops with organizations, and they never knew who was in charge, who was running things. I, and so I get tired of asking, who's the security champion? So now I walk in and say, who's the security champion? They point to someone, and I go, put this in front of them. There. We know that's the champion as long as that big dumb belt's in front of them. Let's that's move That's awesome, forward. though. I mean, there's, there's those simple things like that that kind and of And if nothing just, else, yeah. it's heavy, so if someone wants to argue about ZT, I can hit him with it. There you go. There you go. I think he's got some uh, interesting TSA checkpoint stories traveling with that thing. Jason, how about you? You got any parting thoughts before we wrap this up? Yeah, I, I, I firmly believe, and I, I know Chase is on board with this as well, is that zero trust as an approach is a demonstrably better way to achieve enterprise security. And as security leaders, we need to... I would say really embrace that and to take a leadership role in our organization and really push and pull and prod and poke and make our organizations move forward to this better place because we can't just treat Zero Trust as a better VPN or a better NAC. We need to blow some stuff up and say, we need one way to do this across all of our environments. We need a better way to tie into our business processes and our technical processes. And as security leaders, you know, have the courage to craft your own journey for your organization. And of course, there's going to be vendor tools that from folks here that are going to be part of that. But there's also going to be building a relationship with your business and understanding your business's mission and needs and having the courage to kind of stand up and say, all right, this is how we're moving forward. And you're not going to have most likely CEO buy-in to say, all right, we're going to change everything. So the, the trick is delivering business value quickly and incrementally, and even in a six-week project, even for a narrowly focused problem for 20 users, that's still a great first step. So have the courage to do that, because you can. Yeah, I think, Chase, I've heard you say before, just get started, right? Yeah, I like to call it reaching violent agreement. Violent agreement, yeah, we've heard that before. All right, well, hey, guys, thank you so very much. So what we're going to do now is we do a rapid-fire question round that has absolutely nothing to do with cybersecurity. It's just to, you know, ping some questions off these guys and see what they say. So uh, I'll ask the question, you both answer it. Assuming you have an extra day at RSA, what's the one thing you do here in San Francisco? Golf. <laughs> Spend time outside not talking to people. There you go. What is the best part of uh, in-person conferences? Seeing people that you haven't seen for a while yeah, that's and obvious. then leaving. And then leaving. And then not seeing them for a while yet. <laughs> not seeing them for a while and leaving again. What about you, Jason? Uh, having face-to-face -face conversations with the body language that you miss on it's a daily basis. It's refreshing. Right? With, with people who are not my direct family to actually interact with them. I know, that's nice. I try and picture what green screen should go behind them when I've met them in person. <laughs> I'm like, well, you would be better off with like dumpsters on fire behind you or something like that. That'd be funny. You could bring some cardboard pop-ups. Yeah. Like, Just stand in front of it yeah. and we could do a fake Zoom call. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last question. What's the best or worst buzzword that you've seen here at RSA? Beyond Corp, Google, if you're listening. Beyond Corp, I'm saying. Oh, just that in general, just Beyond Corp? Yeah, just Beyond Corp. Okay. There you go. Uh, blockchain. Blockchain. Blockchain everything. Everything right. is blockchain. Blockchain solves all. There you go. Guys, thank you so very much. And obviously, anybody in the audience, if you want to come ask some questions, talk to these guys, I think we'll hang out for a minute. For the audience, thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find show notes and other episodes at appgate.com forward slash podcast. If you're not yet a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This show is a production of AppGate. The opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the host and the guests and may not represent their views of their organizations. I'm your host, George Wilkes, and you've been listening to Zero Trust 30. That's a wrap.